0: You're listening to Deep Dives with Sharks, a shark podcast focused on shark species, shark safety both for you and the sharks, and news in the past couple of weeks. Sit back, relax, it's time to take a dive. Hello and welcome back, Shark Heroes, to another episode of Deep Dives with Sharks. I am the host here. My name is Alex. Alex. And I got another request, this time it was from Ray on Instagram, who sent me a DM asking for a shark that I actually had not heard of before this request, and I was really, really excited about it. I did try to be a little bit cool and not reply immediately, but I also failed that because I was really excited about learning about a new shark. So I immediately agreed and started looking into it, which was kind of awesome, and I lost a little bit of sleep over it, but I was... It's my own fault. It's the hyperactive part of ADHD. It's fun. Um, But I do have a few sharks coming up on the list that I'm going to do next, but I'm always happy to add more to that list. So if you guys have any suggestions or any recommendations or any requests, really feel free to send them to me over on the socials, which as always is going to be at deep dives with sharks on Instagram or on Twitter at deep dive sharks. So give me a follow there. Alrighty, so the shark for this week is going to be the Angular Rough Shark. Now, I had not heard of this shark until it was suggested, which I was really excited to learn about, and I did have a lot of learning to do. This is going to be the first shark that I am covering that's habitat does not touch either of the Americas, which is rather exciting as well. Now, the Angular Rough Shark is rather small, typically only measuring less than a meter or 3.3 feet long, although some do grow to be over 4 feet or 1.5 meters. They are found from South Africa all the way up to Norway, which includes Ireland, England, and the Mediterranean Sea. They like to be around coralline algae, or uh, hard algae, I should say as well. You know, either pronunciation, whichever one you'd like, you get to choose. Uh, But it's going to be similar to coral, which is how it gets its name, coralline. And continental shelves, as well as muddy bottoms, is going to be where you'll find the angular rough shark. They're typically found anywhere from 50 to 660 meters deep or 160 to 2170 feet, but they tend to stay below 100 meters. One of the really interesting things about these guys, in my opinion, was that they have enlarged denticles around their eye to help protect their eyes from prey and other threats. For those of you that don't remember, uh, denticles are the teeth-like structures that are found on the skin of sharks. That is pretty much, it's kind of like an armor, but it makes them feel like sandpaper anyway. Uh, but it does help to keep prey and, or not prey, I guess predators. Uh, protect from predators and other threats. I'm, as I'm reading that, I'm like, that's wrong. Um, but they like to be protected from predators. Uh, and also fingers, you know, because you ever poke yourself in the eye? Wouldn't it be nice to have something to block that, like an eyelid? It'd be great. But they do have a flat head and a round body. So it's sort of a mix between a bull shark and a hammerhead. Except they also have a pig nose. Like, for real, it looks like a little pig nose on the front of their face. It's kind of neat. Um, I'm really hoping you guys see the social media posts I put up because they are going to be... like I, I definitely want to highlight that nose. It is so interesting. Uh, they have two dorsal fins that are rather large on their back compared to the rest of their body. And they look almost like two sails off the back of their body. They're typically brown in color, and they do look rather rough, which is how they get their name. They kind of look like they're covered in sandpaper, so that's neat as well. They do have different size litters, uh, depending on where they are located. So if an angular rough shark lives in the Mediterranean Sea, then they're going to have about 23 pups in a litter. But if they live off the coast of Angola, then they're only going to have 7 pups in a litter. They also have pointed teeth at the top of their mouth that are known as lancelate-shaped and that look like tiny blades that you would find on the end of a lance, hence the name lancelate, almost like lancelot. But their lower teeth are more blade-like and serrated, similar to what you'd see on a great white shark, so all the pictures of sharks that you saw growing up where the teeth are out and you see those nice triangular rough teeth, that's what their bottom teeth look like, although a lot of sharks don't actually have those types of teeth. They mostly feed on mollusks, crustaceans, and worms, which their teeth do help to break through, and they have 12 rows of teeth on both the upper and lower jaw. Now I've also noticed that when you have those rougher teeth, it helps to break through things and uh, tear things apart, meanwhile the more flat teeth create more pressure to break through shells, so they mostly feed on worms and mollusks with crustaceans getting in there as well. But the angular rough shark typically stay near the sea floor, and they tend to hover above the sand. So it kind of sounds similar to what hammerheads and goblin sharks do. Uh, Goblin sharks tend to glide uh, on the bottom without moving a lot. Um, These guys, it didn't say how often they use their tail. Meanwhile, you'll notice that like tigers and hammerheads during shark week, uh, they'll always be hovering just above the sand. So I believe it's going to be something similar in that way. Now, these sharks also reach a sexual maturity when they are around 50 to 70 centimeters long, or 19.6 to 27.5 inches, so around 1.5 feet to 2.5 feet. And dear God, that was a lot of conversions, and I hate not using the metric system regularly. But they also are listed as threatened, as their numbers around Africa are much higher than their numbers around Europe. This is concerning, as there was an abundance of the species across the Northeast, Eastern Atlantic Ocean until around 1997. They are also thought to be extinct in the Adriatic Sea until fishing practices changed that allowed their population to rebound, which was a really great sign. These guys are often caught as bycatch. Sorry, there I just got fumbled bycatch, which has negatively impacted their population numbers. But I don't know a single species that is caught as bycatch that has benefited from that. They're also seen as a bad omen to be caught by a fisherman, so any fishermen that tend to hook them, uh, they usually will throw them back, although it has been said that none of them have survived that encounter, so hopefully finding different practices that will help these guys as well. This is also unfortunate because you really can't tell what you've hooked before you reel it in, and even if you can, I don't know how you would unhook something that's like. More than a hundred meters under the water, uh, without cutting the line, which I think would also be not great to the fish. Uh, but there's probably some fishermen out there that's like, oh yeah, no, you just got to simply do some maneuver, and then it's all you know exactly which fish you got and how to unhook it. But I don't know, I'm probably completely wrong. We'll find out. But (laughs) they tend to also be found solo without other sharks around, but sometimes they will form groups if they're feeling friendly. Now, this is a joke. That does not mean that if you are diving, you see an angular rough shark to go pet it. Do not go pet sharks. They tend to not like to be pet. These sharks also do not have a lot of interactions with humans outside of the fishing mentioned earlier. Therefore, I couldn't find any bite data or if they've ever bit a human. Uh, I will say as well, sharks that tend to be more than 100 meters below the surface tend to not run into people too often as I don't know too many people that free dive past 100 meters but that is what I have for the angular rough shark I try to do a lot of research on this one but uh, the wikipedia is rather small and then everything else that I saw was already cited in the wikipedia so I was like man Uh, but I did look for this for a while uh, and I'm actually hoping to find more out about it so I'll probably talk a little bit more about this one in the future too But going on to the shark safety bit, bit, that's actually a good pun. Anyway, uh, what to do if a shark attacks a boat that you are on, and this is why this is by vacationwildlife.com. Now, I use attack in quotes here because a shark typically is not going to try to eat everything on board or get onto your boat. They usually just want to figure out what it is because odds are they might not have seen a boat at any point in their life. Uh, so there's going to be some overlap once again, as there uh, always is in the safety portion. But some par- sharks will posture to show territorial behaviors when they don't know what a boat is. So if they see it as a threat or getting too close to their food, they'll tend to act a little bit more aggressively or kind of be a little bit standoffish, little show-offish too. Uh, but sharks tend to investigate boats by biting the hull or motor when it is off. I don't know many sharks that bite motors when they're on. Another very interesting thing to learn is that the International Shark Attack File, or ISAF, counts boat bumps slash bites as an attack, so the term is used very broadly here. This also includes any water vessel, so kayaks are included, and if my kayak ever gets investigated by a shark, I'm straight up saying I'm a shark attack survivor. Y'all cannot stop me. But Provoked bites are counted by a boat or person being bit by a shark that has been hooked, which the article then mentioned, which you can't really blame the shark. I agree with that, because the shark's going to do what anyone else would that has a hook stuck in their mouth that they cannot get out. They're going to want to get away. The most common shark to investigate boats is the great white shark. Other common sharks to investigate boats are makos, tigers, bronze whalers, blue bull, and hammerheads. There have been some instances where a great white was actually able to sink an entire boat, but this was all the way back in 1932, so almost 100 years ago, and I'm also questioning how sturdy that boat actually was because they did not mention the size of it, so I'd like to imagine it was a yacht, but it was probably closer to like a dinghy. But it is very infrequent and uncommon for sharks to be able to sink boats, and sharks don't often attack kayaks, but they may bump them. As I believe I've mentioned in previous episodes, if a shark attacks, it has malice behind it. Hence, we don't call them shark attacks, we call them shark bites. But sharks are more likely to bump into a kayak, which may knock the occupant into the water. At that point, they do typically leave the person that was in the kayak alone as they realize, oh, this isn't what I thought it was. It's not a turtle. It's not anything like that, so I don't really want it. Similar to shark encounters in the water, uh, or shark nudges, I should say. I like the term nudges more because it sounds more accurate. They don't tend to slam their head into it, kind of bump it here and there, but they might slam into you, and in that case, you can call it a bump, but whatever you'd like to call it, you can call it that, except for an attack. Don't call it that but uh, shark nudges on kayaks or other vessels often end without serious injury to the occupant as well. Sharks are often looking for food and seeing something that silhouette looks similar to what could be their prey is often enough to investigate. But a big difference is when investigating, they often do not show aggressive behavior. So as I mentioned in earlier episodes as well, make sure you're paying attention. So that way, if you do see a shark coming at you and showing these aggressive behaviors, you know how to quickly but also calmly and respectfully get out of the water. Now the chance that the shark is in the area because there's prey nearby and they're hunting it is sort of high. So this is what you want to do in case that's the situation you find yourself in. Now first of all you want to get away from any prey that the shark might be hunting especially if you've already seen a shark. So you want to stay away from seals, sea turtles, tuna, and anything that the big sharks might eat including smaller sharks easy enough just try to stay away from them you can admire them from a distance if a shark is tracking that animal and you're following it there's a chance that they'll mistake you for the prey and those results can be fatal another thing to mention is that if you start following the shark that is following its prey this also is seen as a predatory behavior by the shark and they may do something defensively which may involve attacking your kayak boat whatever you are on as well so just keep your distance and admire from afar Now this isn't to scare you into never kayaking or paddleboarding ever again, It's just to make sure that if you're doing these activities in the ocean and you see some shark prey, you can check it out, but do so from a distance. Same thing goes for sharks, you don't need to be right up next to them, if they come investigate you, awesome, but the same way that you don't want people to come up and start staring at you, sharks don't really want you to swim right up to them and ogle at them, you know? But sharks may come in contact with kayaks or boats if they get too close to food as well. So if it's becoming territorial uh, and kind of hitting your boat a bunch and you notice that there's a dead animal nearby, it's probably trying to eat that and you're disturbing its dinner. So if a shark is eating, it's probably best to leave it alone. Sharks can get very hangry. And of course, as always, don't bother a shark if it's just vibing. You can look at it, admire it. You don't have to pet it like, like it's a puppy. Even though they are adorable like puppies, you don't have to pet them like that, you know. But if you do have a chance and they are getting too close, remember, always just give them a push away. You don't, some sharks like scratches, you know, but just be careful, you know, don't, don't get bit. (laughs) But that's what I have for the shark news, or sorry, the shark safety portion of this podcast. And we're going to go on to shark news. Now, I did go with three stories this week because I felt that this episode was going to be a little bit shorter, but I did try to make up for that in the news section. So the first one I have is Weird Demon Shark with Bright White Eyes Discovered Off Australia, and this is by Live Science. So gather round, shark heroes. A new shark just dropped. The new species has some interesting characteristics, like its bright white eyes, for example, which is not common in deep water fish was first discovered in 2011 because of the egg or mermaid purse that was found that didn't match any known shark eggs. I should say it was actually an egg case, which means that the shark had already hatched, but the casing of it was left behind. So the shark is called, I need to try to pronounce this correctly, Apristurus ovicorugatus. That's its Latin name. I think I did like a C average there. That was not great, but it's also more commonly called the demon cat shark or the ghost cat shark is what the scientists have called this one. Now, scientists have combined uh, or combed their database, I should say, to see if any unidentified cat sharks had been found in the same area as the initial egg case back in 2011. The shark was initially misidentified as a South China cat shark, but the shark was pregnant with an egg that matched the previous one, at which point they realized it was a different shark. The egg shape is also rigid, unlike many other shark eggs. They tend to be more smooth, and this one has little grooves in it, which is neat. This also caused scientists to remind the public to submit any pictures of any egg cases or intact mermaid purses they may have found to help expand the shark database and possible locations of different shark species. The next one that I have is that a leopard shark is spotted in Lake Merritt, and this was reported by Fox KTVU 2. There's a lot of letters and numbers after, (laughs) but uh, this one's based in San Francisco, more specifically the Oakland area. Which I'm hoping it was reported by San Francisco, I think I'm not sure california California geography to be honest, um I should look into that, but <laughs> gonna be honest, I have a lot more questions than answers with this news story as well, so this is a great start. <laughs> People are gonna message me like what is wrong with you? <laughs> but as to how the shark got into a lake. I'm not entirely positive. I couldn't tell you. They don't have exact tracking on this shark, but Lake Merritt is rather inland, and it's actually impressive a shark could get there. Now this isn't the only time an ocean animal showed up uh, in the lake. As leopard sharks, rays, sea lions, and others tend to venture more inland than people assume, uh, the lake is also naturally brackish, so it has salt and fresh water. Which means that fish that survive on both can be in there for periods of time. Uh, bull sharks are a great example of sharks that love brackish water. It can go deeper into fresh water, but they do eventually have to return to their salt or freshwater homes. To depending on what they need to survive. This shark was actually spotted by the local rowing club and was reported to the news as well as the Department of Fish and Wildlife, who pretty much said, yeah, they do that sometimes. So, good to know that you might find a leopard shark. I also didn't know that leopard sharks were really common in California. I actually thought they were further out in the eastern hemisphere, but evidently they might be, I don't know. But they're found in California too, so that's neat. But the last one that I have for you guys is that a six-foot shark's circle juvenile alligator, an incredibly rare video. This is by Channel 8 News Tampa, but takes place in Jacksonville. So there we go. But a baby alligator is just vibing on the surface, not giving a bother when four lemon sharks come to join the vibes. This took place in Jacksonville, Florida, which completes the new news triangle of three places I mostly get my shark news from. Australia, California, Florida. It is actually a rather calming video, as they all sort of just hang out, and the sharks come to look at the gator and bump into its tail, which it doesn't really react to. The sharks aren't circling so much as making a passing touch and then scurrying away, kind of like when a kid's trying to get someone to play tag with them, but they aren't being chased. Now, the onlookers are rather calm as well, and you can almost feel their nervousness through the screen, but nothing negative comes of it that we know of. It seems that the alligator just gets to hang out for a little while, the sharks try to figure out what it is, and then they all just kind of part ways, but... You know, it's how it be sometimes. But that is what I have for this episode of Deep Dives with Sharks. Once again, thank you all for listening. I cannot believe that I get to do this and it's a lot of fun and you all like hearing more. So thank you so much for being here. Of course, follow along on social media. If you have any questions, comments, anything like that, feel free to send them my way. You can shoot me a DM or if I put something up on my story, you can throw it there. Either one is great. And feel free to send any mermaid purses, any shark teeth, anything like that. Any shark that you can just send me pictures of sharks too. That'd be awesome. But uh, I look forward to seeing you guys in the next one and take care until then.